Okay, so when we come to the Word, I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting at verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And um, if we can go to the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 18 and uh, this is uh, the book that I was just reading from was Paul's letter to Corinthians the first letter and which he wrote from Ephesus and this letter and they're uh, they're across the sea Ephesus and Corinth are across the um, I don't know is it the Aegean Sea or Mediterranean whatever um, anyway so this is in Corinth, and Corinth is a big city in Greece. And uh, Paul has come there, and uh, it's a big pagan city, Roman colony. And he comes there and starts preaching the gospel. And uh, it was a scary thing. You know, it's like kind of go into New York City and start preaching the gospel, walk in somewhere and start telling people about Jesus. And uh, you go to the Jews and they're really skeptical. And you go to uh, the pagan areas and they're pretty skeptical. And we find in the, go- in the letter that Paul writes, you know, um, the Jews are looking for this. Right, and the Greeks are looking for that, and uh, it was all nonsense or a stumbling block. But but it was the power of God that demonstrated. He says, "I didn't, you know, I didn't outsmart the smart ones, and I didn't have uh, any, um, you know, savvy in." With the, uh, with the Jews. I just presented Christ. And uh, so I want to just kind of give us the story here in chapter 18 of uh, Acts. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Claudius was the emperor, um, Caesar. 
And uh, I don't know, there was a Jewish, uh, you know, uh, anyway, the Jews got in trouble and he kicked them all out of Rome. So Aquila and Priscilla, who were Jews, were working in Rome. They left and ended up in Corinth. And, uh, and they were tent keepers, the t- tent makers, right? So there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla because of Claudius, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of um, Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. And when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, that is, that's the area of Greece, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court and they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court, but Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. So, Paul is in Corinth for a year and a half, but you could see that there was controversy, right? He, he is there, and he's tent-making. Um, he kind of joined up with Aquila and Priscilla's business, right? They, that's what they were doing, and uh, they were probably outside of the main city because uh, people would come to this city to have a big Olympics-type event. Uh, and they would all live in tents around, and so the tent makers, it was, you know, kind of like setting up a booth and, you know, hey, we got, you know, we got the tents for you to, to stay in right here. And uh, so that's what's going on. So there's lots going on in that city. And then Paul would go into the synagogue in Corinth. And uh, Nancy and I saw areas where, when we were in Corinth, and uh, it's a ruins today, and you could see how everything was laid out. 
big place. And uh, so we were there and we saw this is sort of where, where the synagogue, you know, would have been. But here is the temple to, you know, Zeus. And here is up here on the hill is Aphrodite's temple. And here over here is this and that. So there was like all this stuff going on. But um, uh, Paul would go to the synagogue and he would preach. And he got a lot of pushback. And it says, and they were abusive. So we're not talking about like, ah, uh, oh, that's a bunch of baloney. I mean, it was abusive. And if you've, you know, seen uh, kind of when, um, when people who are pretty, when Jews are pretty uh, um, agitated about something, whatever, they're not subtle about it, you know. They're in your face, and they're going for it, you know. And uh, Paul is preaching the gospel, and at one point he says, you know, uh, I'm shaking the dust out. And, um, and then he's quoting Ezekiel, and uh, where God said to Ezekiel, listen, you preach to people that they need to repent. And if they listen, okay, They've saved their life. And if they reject it, their blood is on their own head. Okay? But he said, if you don't go and preach, then they will die for their sins and their blood will be on your head because I sent you to preach and you didn't. So Paul is saying, I've told you the truth and you're rejecting it. I'm free of the blood. I'm, I've discharged my duty. I told you the truth, and you rejected it. And, uh, and so he shakes the dust out, and he says, I'm going somewhere that they do they accept it. I'm going to these Gentiles. So when he goes over, and I think that this is kind of fun, he goes right next door. You know? <laughs> he doesn't go to the dozen part of town. He goes, he was invited to the house of uh, this guy named, um, well, I forgot what his name is. Titus Justice. Yeah, right, Titus Justice. Okay, thank you. Anyway, goes, goes to... Um, uh, goes to his house, who's like right next door, and it says he was a God-fearer, which means he wasn't Jewish, but he believed in God, okay? So he had sympathies for the Jews, but he wasn't Jewish, so he wasn't really let in, you know? But he maybe was able to sit in the back of the synagogue or something, but he'd been hearing Paul, and he opens his door, and the head manager, not the high, the priest, but the, just the manager of the synagogue, they go with Paul. So that was quite a big deal. You could see that there is some real animosity. Here he is set up right over here, you know. And, uh, and people are going now. They're, they're coming in and they're leaving the, the Jews, some of them, and uh, joining with Paul for Christ. And Paul now is preaching uh, in the 
town and people are getting saved. And there's some jealousy going on. And um, they bring it to the main city uh, council. And we were there. And you could see uh, it's a big town square. And then there's this platform that sits up there. And that's where the pro-council would be and represented Rome. And, uh, and so they would bring in whoever was being judged at that time and they'd be sort of strapped onto this little totem pole or made to stand before it and then the judge would make judgments, right? So we were right there. And uh, when you're standing there, not only is this really impressive Bema, but you look up and here's this mountain with this, um, the temple to Aphrodite, right? That's what Corinth is all about. Powers and principalities and powers in high places. And while this is happening, the proconsul says, I, I, this is all things having to do with your words and thoughts and cry. I don't want anything to do with it. And uh, he shuts it down. And God, God had told Paul, stood with him, no one's going to harm you. Now that takes us to uh, this book that we're in, 1 Corinthians. And look at chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So, the message I have today is kind of simple. And it is this. We don't have to be the smartest ones in the room. And we don't have to be the most impressive. We don't have to be the slickest. We don't have to be the best dressed. We don't have to drive the biggest car. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to have Jesus Christ and him crucified front and center. And we need to believe and we need to stand in the power of God. And we need to be willing to be used by God. Now, everybody isn't Paul. We're not all going to Corinth. We're going from town to town and walking into synagogues and endangered places. But even Paul, who was quite a man, it says here, with much distress. Um, I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. So it wasn't like Paul 
you know, was going to do this uh, great work and, you know, he was just like this guy on fire and he had no, you know, he never struggled with anything and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he comes scared. And what we read was that when he was in Corinth, what we read in Acts was that God spoke to him in the middle of the night. He had to deal with it. You know, we think of Paul having it all together, but Paul was like, uh, I'm going to get killed here. <laughs> I don't, you know, th- these people, the things that they said uh, were quite abusive, it says, right? So abusive, they, they were threatening me, right? They were threatening my family. They were coming at me. And uh, I was scared. And uh, also, th- this town of pagans isn't going to be real receptive to me, and I'm going to be starting to share the gospel. And I know what's happened. In places before this, Paul has been whipped, thrown in prison, stoned, and left for dead. Okay, so that's Paul's history about things. Okay, So now he's coming to this place that's really big and has a really big mountain with a really demonic uh, temple on it. And, uh, and this is a Roman town. So this is, run, this is the power of Rome, okay? And, uh, and here he is. So God comes to him and gives him grace. Okay. And the fact is that this controversy got so bad, he went before you know, the town uh, council and God delivered him. But what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, now writing the letter, He's saying, when I came to you, I didn't come with superiority of speech. But I came in the Spirit's power and demonstration of the power of the Spirit. And when I read this, um, there's a... uh, hesitancy in myself. Because I, 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 this puts a window on me. Do I have the Spirit's power? Do I come in reliance of the power of God? Can you look and say, look at that. There's the power of God. Where are the miracles? You know, the, the gifts of the Spirit really fell when Paul prayed for people in Corinth. When the word came, the spirit came in power. People are speaking in tongues and there's prophets and there's all this stuff is happening. You know? and, uh, and I've seen that and been part of it. And I wonder, where is it now? Um, and people are wondering about that. You know? And uh, so I'm saying this to tell you about a longing in my heart. And the longing in my heart is that the church, that we would be able to say, look at the demonstrated power of God in our midst.
What is the prerequisite of having that power? It's to have no power of your own. I came to you Brothers, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And what it takes to have the power of God is to have Nothing else but Christ crucified. I've got one message. It's all that I know. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Brothers and sisters, if you want to know what it's about, let me tell you the testimony that we have. Jesus Christ was crucified and he's raised again from the dead with the power of God. That's the message. You better line up with that. He died for you. What are you going to do for him? He laid it down for you. And his resurrection brings life. If you want life, you need to tap into that resurrected life. That's my focus. Christ and him crucified. The message of the cross. He talks about that in another part of this book, The Message of the Cross. And, uh, and he talks to the people that he wrote this, but he says, you know what? There wasn't many smart. There wasn't many rich. There wasn't many noble. There wasn't many uh, of repute. But God uses the things that are not to confound the things that are. Um. In chapter 1, verse 20, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one 
may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And so I'm leaving us with this challenge. Are we, are we focused? Are we simple? If somebody talks to us, can they walk away and say, I know what that guy was about. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. If they ring our bell, do we ring Jesus Christ and him crucified? When they ring our bell, does it ring true or is it cracked and doesn't really get in harmony? Because if Jesus Christ, him crucified and his resurrected life is in us, when they ring our bell, we are going to resound a clear tone. It doesn't mean that we don't have problems Right? We're all problem children. And it doesn't mean we're not afraid of anything. Right? We are by nature scaredy cats. I can't do that. I can't do this. Does God not come alongside and say, you can't, but I can. And the resurrected life that I have will be demonstrated in power and in truth. And we have lots of love for one another, right? We, we have felt and we have found God answering our prayers. We have found God coming to us in our grief. We love to help others and to give to others. And we're learning to stand with one another and to share the gospel with one another. But are we speaking to our neighbors Are we sharing the gospel in our neighborhoods? Are we laying it down? Or are we afraid? You know, um, our sister Candy, she's always telling me how she shared with her family and they rejected it. You're in good company. You're in good company. Paul got kicked out of the synagogue (laughs) for sharing Christ. Paul got taken before the governors for sharing Christ. Paul got, you know, persecuted, this and that. And if you keep reading in the book, you're going to find how he's treated like the dregs of the earth. Okay, so the fact is that we're not necessarily going to get a lot of praise. We might be looked at pretty dumb. Um, But, you know, let there be people who preach Christ and him crucified. And not people that are pushing some agenda. Can we be those people? Because you know what will happen? God will back it up with power. And effective ministry. Do we need some miracles? Do we need some prophecy? Do we need some uh, demonstration? Do we need that? I do. I want to see it. Rend the heavens. Come down. 
We've been reading in Nehemiah, and we see a man who is focused and clear, who knows how to pray and knows how to act when the time comes. And God was with him, and he did great things. Really, um, I don't know where we would be today if Nehemiah hadn't gathered that testimony together. And God needs people who are willing to be focused on the one thing. For Nehemiah, the focus was the city of God. For us, the focus is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the center. That's what we're about. That's where we're going. That's going to be our power. The simple message of the gospel. Paul didn't have a real fancy message. It was really simple. Do we have a simple message that we can share with our neighbors? A brother and sister live down in Harmony Dwellings. I remember years ago when Dave used to go down to Harmony Dwellings and play basketball with the kids down there. Do you remember any of that? Remember Dave Vion? Anyway, that was years and years ago. But Dave would go down there play basketball with the kids and then come up and these, uh, a bunch of kids would come up and we'd have them in our, uh, at the house here and buy them pizza and he would share the gospel with them. Real simple, you know, real simple. Are we doing that now? I mean, I can't play basketball, right? But our brother and sister are now down in a new place, okay? And they're making, their kids are making friends and everything else, you know? Is, is Christ going to be, is that gonna, little house that they have there, is that going to be a light in a dark place? Are there going to be kids hanging around wanting to know about Jesus because they feel Jesus' love, you know? Well, we need to stand in the power of God because we've got some missionaries right over there, right? And we've got to pray that there's a little outclove, right? Where we've got Jess, Jess, who's in a um, senior living facility. I'm not sure what you call actually that place, the Lutheran place that she's at. Um, And she's disabled. She uh, really can hardly get on. But once a month, the sisters are gathering there and they've become a testimony. And now we need the power of God to turn that testimony into a revival. We gather here, you know, um, and uh, we keep the place warm and we've recarpeted it and everything else. But are we a testimony to the neighborhood? Are we a testimony to the, in the places all that we all live? Is the power of God working through us? God has given everything to us. Um, but I fear that we are squandering it on ourselves. We are preaching the gospel, but let's do much better. I think that uh, that's the key. And you might say, uh, well, you know, that, that time has passed. My time has passed. You know, I'm too old or, you know, I'm too busy or whatever. Um, but... I knew a lady, we knew a lady that uh, 
she loved to preach to Jewish people. And when she was old, she went into a nursing home and she chose to go into a Jewish nursing home. And she just shared everywhere she could. She was in a wheelchair. She was sharing to everybody and everything. She never stopped till the day she died. You know, maybe we never stop till the day we die. And sometimes it might be just prayer. But sometimes it might be saying, you know what? I got some kids in my neighborhood. And I'm going to have them over. And we're going to talk about Jesus. Or I'm going to have them over and we'll bring someone in to talk about Jesus. Okay? We're going to do something in our locality, right where we are, in the little sphere that we have. You know? Don't leave it to someone else. Who else is going to do it? Somebody bigger, brighter, smarter than you? Nope. Only you can do what you've been called to do. So, Lord Jesus, uh, we ask that we would have that simple focus to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And uh, we thank you because it says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And, Lord, we, we want to be part of that. We want to be those who love you. And we want to be those who want to see more people in your family. And so um, give us that power, Lord, as we lay our focus down. In your precious name, amen.